Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, John Helmkamp, Matthew Betts, and Matt Okada. We are back. Welcome into the studio. Welcome into the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you will see us and our beautiful faces. Okada is waving. If you're listening to your podcast app, hello. It is now Wednesday. I uh, hope you guys are having a great week. We are back on the mic for the third straight day in a row because there is just so much rookie content to talk about. The grind does not stop. Hopefully, you guys are with us along the way. If you're looking for wide receiver or running back breakdowns, go ahead and go. Uh, first off, pause the podcast. Go back. Check out Monday's show. That was running backs. Mm. Tuesday, wide receivers, and that was a great podcast. Tons of wide receivers we talked about there. And then today, we're talking quarterbacks and tight ends. Fellas, I don't want to say it's not as exciting, but it's not as <laughs> It's exciting. not as exciting. It's not. So it's hump day. It's Wednesday. We got to bring the energy, boys. Hump day. We got to bring it back because these positions still matter. They matter a ton in fantasy, and so we're going to talk about probably the top five or so quarterbacks and probably the top three or so tight ends. It's not a great tight end class. Mm-mm. The rest of these guys are, are mostly sleepers. <laughs> we'll focus on what's that? It's not a good quarterback class either. We had two. Uh, there's some quarterbacks got ruined a little bit. Spots. Yeah, yeah. Well, mm, yeah, it did. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, we are here to break it down. Friendly reminder: if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, please hit that subscribe button. If you would drop a rating and review, we would really, really appreciate it. It does help out the show quite a bit. Uh, and if you're watching on YouTube, hit the subscribe button as well, so you don't miss any of our other videos podcasts etc all right boys let's get into it here just like we did for the running backs and the wide receivers we're going to talk about these quarterbacks in the correct order in terms of where they went in the nfl draft to no one's surprise joe burrow going 1.01 to the cincinnati Bengals, coming out of lsu guys put up honestly ridiculous stupid numbers his final year there at lsu winning a national championship historic even for the production he had there very good quarterback prospect. But as Okada has pointed out, there are question marks with this guy, and not a lot of people really want to talk about it. And it's the lack of the lack of history of production with him. Whereas other, you know, quarterbacks, you see them produce for two or three years. Joe Burrow literally only did it one year in college. Now, Okada, John, does that concern either of you guys at all? At all? Yes. Uh enough to put him a smidgen behind the next quarterback we're going to talk about for me in my rookie rankings. But overall, am I, do I believe he's going to bust? No. Do I believe he's going to be the next Mitch Trubisky? No. Do I think he's going to be a very good fantasy asset that I want to draft in the top three picks of my Superflex rookie mock? Yes. So yep. there, I, I, I've been, it sounds probably if you've been listening to me this whole offseason, like I've been hating on Joe Burrow or harping on him for all these negatives, but it's only to give people a little bit of perspective because the entire world, the entire fantasy community, the entire NFL community has been nothing but gaga goo goo eyes for Joe Burrow since he won the national championship and a little before that when he was already tearing up to the 2019 season. So he's still going to be very, very good. He has a pretty decent team, honestly as far as offensive weapons go in Cincinnati right now. Um, and they helped him. They did. We'll see they what happens did. with A.J. Green, but now they have someone behind him. They got Tyler Boyd. They have Joe Mixon. 
Um, they got some offensive line help, and they're going to get a first-rounder back from last year. So things are definitely looking up in Cincinnati. He's still my quarterback, too, but not by much. It's very, very, very close, and I would not fault anyone for taking him above the next guy or at the 101 in the Superflex rookie mock or rookie draft. Yeah, I'm the same way on on Joe Burrow. It's it's very close. Um, what he did, what that team did this season was like borderline unprecedented. I mean, it was historic, historic college offensive greatness that they displayed. Um, and the same thing can be said about the number two quarterback that we're going to talk about. Well, the second off the board that we're going to talk about that they were both benefited from being surrounded by just elite talent, but you can't hold that against the quarterbacks. Like they're really good recruiting schools. They're powerhouse schools. They, they attract great talent. That's fantastic. When you have elite talent, you would expect elite production. And he did that. So I don't hold that against them that he had three stud wide receivers, a stud running back that ended up being the first one off the board in the NFL draft. Um, stud offense alignment, stud defense. I mean, insane. But he did a great job with what he had. They schemed it perfectly. The offensive coordinator was uh, absurd. Uh, Joe Brady was phenomenal calling plays and designing that offense, and now he gets to go to Carolina and do the same. Um, It's great, but there is a little bit of pause for me, the same as Okada, that it was just one season. I mean, he he couldn't beat out Haskins at Ohio State, and he had to transfer away because Justin Fields is there, who's going to be coming in next year and has a really good chance of being the first quarterback drafted next season. Um, There's a little Uh, bit of... No. Trevor Lawrence. You don't, you don't think that there's any chance that Justin Fields goes above no. Trevor Lawrence and drafts? No way. I mean, unless something I happens, think, like injury or something. No, no way. I, I think it's entirely possible that it ends up ah, taking we'll place see. that way. We'll see what I happens. I don't see oh, it at all. There, there's two really good quarterbacks, just like there's two really good ones this year to me. Yes, Trevor Lawrence yes. and Justin Fields, Tua Tungavailoa, and Joe Burrow this year. That's spoiler alert. Spoiler! Come on, you John. Two, I know. You've got two really good quarterbacks in both these classes, but... He couldn't beat out Haskins. He definitely could not uh, beat out Fields. Went to LSU. Historically not a great quarterback school, but they put together this just catching lightning in a bottle season on offense. And I think I think there's something to be said about the fact that it was just one season. Like I, I would have preferred to see more consistent production over time, but what he did display when you're watching the film, his athleticism, his control, his poise, his pocket awareness is pretty good. His ability to throw on the run at pinpoint accuracy is great. Like he's a good prospect. He's a really good quarterback prospect. We're not hating on him at all by putting him at number two on our boards. There's just two really, really solid quarterback prospects in this draft class. And I think they did a great job to go out and get him and then give him help by drafting T Higgins in the next round. I think that was a really smart move. Um, I'm curious to see what he can do. They've got Joe Mixon. They've got an improving offensive line. We'll see. But I think that he's a stud prospect. If you take him at 1.01 in Superflex because you need a quarterback, I won't doubt you. Jonathan Taylor is the 1.01 in my heart and the 1.01 in my drafts. But Joe Burrow is probably, I can't put him any lower than two in Superflex drafts at this point. Yeah, he is definitely a great prospect and certainly would love to have him on a couple of my rosters. I took him in one of my rookie drafts today. Um, but like you guys said, we all have him at two. We all we all have Tua as our one. So we'll get to him next yeah. year in a second. I just want to point out the one underrated aspect of Burrow's game that I feel like not a lot of people talk about. 
He's a very mobile quarterback. He ran for almost 400 yards two years in a row, 12 total touchdowns over the last two years. So that is a sneaky aspect of his game to look out for at the next level. And obviously, we know what that does for fantasy value. All right, guys, on to Tua Tungabailoa. He goes at number five overall to the Dolphins. There was some debate whether or not he would slip to the Chargers or even later in the draft. He goes at five. The Dolphins get their guy. I love Tua, man. He is such a, a fun prospect to root for. To come in as a true freshman and play the way he did in the national championship to replace Jalen Hurts, who we'll talk about in a second. That was crazy. Absolutely unreal. That, to me, when that was done, I was like, yep, he's going to be a great pro. Um, he is pro-ready. He has a great arm. He's able to look off defenders with ease and consistency. Love the guy a lot. I'll kick it over to you guys next, just to kind of talk about him as a player, why you have him at one versus two. And then let's go back and let's talk about his injury, because I feel like that is really the big talking point here with Tua. Anything yeah, else you guys want to talk about, about with the uh, prospect as a player? Uh, I mean, I think we've hit on him as a prospect a good amount. You can go back and listen to some of our previous pods. As far as the landing spot goes, I think that's really what the new the new shine is here to talk about. And it's interesting. I wouldn't say it's great. I think the Bengals' landing spot was better. It's nowhere near as good as a landing spot we're going to get to with the next quarterback. There are some weapons in Miami. I think Devontae Parker, I still believe that he can be a perennially good talent, not just a finally broke out in year six and will never be good again situation. Preston Williams has some upside, but it's certainly no guarantee. The running back situations, eh. the offense overall around Tua is, I don't think what it is around Burrow. It's not what it is around a certain player whose name begins with J-U-S-T-I that we're going to talk about in a second. Um, uh, won't tell you the last letter, so I don't spoil it. Yes. Um, but none of that matters to me when I'm drafting right now because I'm with my quarterback, I'm looking at probably three years down the line to where I'm gonna really want him to be my start, especially in a one QB league. I expect oh, yeah. that I have a guy already, and in the super flex, he's probably gonna get as my QB two, but I don't necessarily expect him to be my QB one and put up top five numbers right out of the gate. So I think they, the Dolphins will continue to build around him and he will be the best of the 2020 quarterback class when we look back in 10 years for fantasy and in the real NFL. Yeah, I think that everyone's talking and comparing landing spots, but they're failing to acknowledge the fact that two is probably not playing for a year anyways. He's probably going to sit. They brought back uh, Fitz Magic for one more season um, which will be great for fantasy purposes for 2021. They should still be probably a lower end team with, with a high draft pick next season. Um, I thought it was a little bit surprising that they didn't draft any notable wide receivers or running backs uh, to go there to Miami to, to try and shore it up. But I think what they're doing is I think they understand that two has got the injury and that he's probably going to sit and get stronger and, and rehab. And they know that they've got 12 months to surround them with talent. So I don't really care about what the depth chart looks like at the skill position players right now. I think you just kind of have to evaluate the talent and say he's a very, very talented quarterback. Miami wanted him like all along. They were tanking for Tua all season. 
Fitzmagic pulled a couple random wins out. They ended up falling all the way down to the fifth overall pick instead Classic of the Fitzpatrick. Classic <laughs> Fitzpatrick. And then Tua falls in their lap at five anyways. They didn't even have to trade up to get them. That worked out perfectly for Miami. They were able to hold on to two other draft picks in the first without trading up to get their guy and were able to get some very talented players by doing that. So I think he's in a good position. I, I'm starting to trust the coaching and the front office there and what they've done in this offseason. And I think they're going to do a really good job over the next year with surrounding him with talent and offensive line when it's his time under center. Yeah, and just really quick on that before we get to bets too, because keeping him upright is part of the injury conversation probably. It is. Uh, to your point of not adding a ton of a weaponry, as in skill position players around him, they didn't do that, but it's partially because they were spending those picks on offensive linemen. They took a tackle yeah. at 18 and then a tackle at 39 overall. Love it. And yeah, Love I it. honestly think that's probably the better call from a front office perspective. Protect yep. him, keep him upright for now. Then once he's ready to really take over, you fill around the talent with him, get a you know a big receiver in free agency, yeah. out running back in the draft in the top 10, and all of a sudden you've got... Go trade for Amari Cooper in Dallas. Ah, <laughs> maybe. We'll see. Yeah, I like two a lot. The, the talent isn't really a huge concern uh, for me. Let's talk about the injury because there's some concern out there with some folks. Um, and if you're just finding the podcast, uh, first off, thank you for checking us out. Second hey. off, if you don't know me yet, I am a, a board-certified orthopedic clinical specialist, physical therapist, do a lot of injury analysis for football, see these injuries in the clinic, etc. So um, if you've been with us since day one, you already know that. But here's my breakdown on, on Tua. So the hip injury was very, very serious. A hip fracture with a dislocation of the hip joint can be an injury that causes you to lose blood supply to the joint. If it happens, it's an immediate like red flag. Like You have to have a hip replacement pretty much right away. So it could have been career-ending for Tua in November when it happened. Fortunately, the doctors there at Alabama did a great job, got the hip back in place, surgery a few days later, starts recovery thereafter, and everything since then has been glowing with Tua. Um, the x-ray reports, I believe the quote that was used was pristine. Um, he looks good pristine. moving around. Pristine. Um, he looks good moving around. He looks athletic. He looks confident. He's stepping into his right leg, which is where the injury happened. And that's where you have to be concerned because when you step onto that leg, can well, the joint he's a support that amount that's, of torque? Right, exactly. So stepping leg. on that right leg with his left, uh, left-handed throwing motion is the key. He looks good. Now, if if I said I have zero concerns about Tua at all, I'd be lying. I think that in 10 to 15 years, he's going to be a guy whose career is going to be over because arthritis is going to develop in the hip. It could limit it quite a bit as he ages. But guys, we can't even predict what's going to happen next week. I'm not here to predict what's going to happen in 15 right. years. So if you're telling me Tua is going to be good to go for 7, 8, 9, 10 years, I'll take, take it. All day. it. Two yeah. is a great prospect. Um, I am in on Tua out of Alabama going to the Dolphins. Another thing right, that I'll bring up on Tua just real quick before we move yeah, on go ahead. was that Miami was, I think, the only team potentially, but they definitely were one of the few teams that was able to actually get their doctors to meet with him before coronavirus right. shut down the ability to meet with prospects. Their doctors were able to get in, take a look, be confident in his health and his recovery, which allowed them to feel confident in taking him at the fifth overall pick. There was a real concern that he might slide because teams weren't able to. And then news came out like a day or two before the draft that they were one of the few teams 
or potentially the only one, I can't remember, that was able to get him in and take a look at him before they shut down the ability to meet with players. So I think that's great that they were able to get their eyes on him and give him the clean bill going forward. Yeah, definitely agree with that. The very next pick in the NFL draft, number six overall to the Chargers. We had talked about pre-NFL draft was our favorite landing spot for one of these rookies. Justin Herbert out of Oregon goes at the sixth spot. Herbert is, is kind of an interesting prospect. I don't know how to evaluate him yet. He's clearly my three in this class behind uh, Tua and behind Joe Burrow. But he is a bit more of a raw prospect, I would say, in regards to how he translates to the NFL level. Crazy arm talent, very mobile, very athletic. Uh, what are you guys' thoughts on on this fit here with the Chargers? Obviously, they have a ton of skill position players on the depth chart. Yeah, this this honestly was enough to get Justin Herbert into a place where I feel very confident drafting him in my rookie mocks, in my drafts. Like, coming in, uh, Justin Herbert for me was kind of a fence guy where if he went somewhere where I, where I didn't really trust the team and where I felt like he didn't have a good system around him or good weapons to work with, he would get messy real quick and we'd be looking at a potential bust situation. That is not the case with the Chargers. They got all kinds of goodness on their offense, and I think he will be able to flash very quickly, get his confidence up, learn the game, and be pretty productive pretty soon and a long-term viable fantasy option. So I think that... I I don't know if he's quite in the first round of Superflex for me. What do you guys think? Is he is he there for you, or does he fall into the second? He's right he's at the turn in, for me. Right at the turn. He's real close. Yeah. Late first to early second, right in that ballpark, depending on your team needs. Um, I'm fine with that. Um, a draft that I was in today, he was available at the 2.04, so someone traded up to take him. Nice. That's great um, value. Yeah, I like it's that. Great value. Like that's that's fine. That's that feels inexpensive for Justin Herbert. Like anything sure. before that should should be the case. I got no problem with one ten, one eleven through two point oh two, depending on your team needs. Yeah, he is definitely an intriguing prospect, no doubt about it. But um, the nice thing about him landing there is he may not have to rush onto the field. Obviously, Tyrod Taylor. Um, the team is saying they like Tower Taylor. Their draft capital in Justin Herbert says otherwise <laughs> from a long-term perspective. But I would be shocked if Herbert started week one. However, again, this is Dynasty. We're looking long-term. Uh, really, really a lot to like there about Justin Herbert landing with the Chargers. All right, guys. The next pick, controversial <laughs> to say the least. Um, silly uh, to say the least. Uh, not smart, uh, I think, to say the least. And I'm not saying I don't think this player is going to be a good quarterback but the Packers trade up to take Jordan Love and they didn't even have to the teams in front of them in the draft probably weren't going to take a quarterback no. but they trade up to get him potentially the heir apparent to Aaron Rodgers Jordan Love out of Utah State is a guy who put up awesome numbers in 2018 2019 the production really fell off the coaching That's staff changed there the production just wasn't the same but he's been comped a bit to a very, very poor man's Pat Mahomes in that he has a lot of arm talent, but yeah. he's very raw. Uh, and I definitely see that on tape as well with Jordan Love. Guys, let's talk about the scenario here. I mean, boy, he, drama. Like, I have concerns that Aaron Rodgers is going to see this as an okay move and like groom him the way they want him to. I don't know if you guys feel the same way, but I'm, I'm nervous about in, Jordan Love. In terms of your thinking that Rodgers is not going to do those things? 
Yeah, I think he's like, what the f? Um, yeah, that's we exactly are a Super Bowl right. contending team. We it's added Aaron no Rogers. one to help. Like, this here's is, the yeah. thing. I don't yeah. think Brett Favre felt especially good when they drafted Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Probably and at the same age. At the same age, similar career stats. They both won one Super Bowl. It's, it's a very similar situation. Yeah. yeah it's it's like, in fact, Favre was a little bit younger and a little bit better in most of those categories than Rodgers is. And by the way, if you look at Rodgers' last two seasons, he's been very efficient, but he has not carried the team like he did in previous years. They made it to the NFC Championship last year on a great run game and a great defense, and him being good and making big plays when he needed to. Listen, I actually like this a lot for Jordan Love. I don't know if I love it for the Packers, but I think it's good for Jordan Love, and I don't think I need Aaron Rodgers to sit him down and like Carson Wentz is probably going to do with his backup because he's the <laughs> nicest guy on the planet, so and nice. teach him the playbook and do drills with him and you know, take him out to dinner and play Madden with him. Okay, Rodgers is not going to do any of those things. No, no question. But I don't necessarily need him to. I just need Jordan Love to go out there and watch Aaron Rodgers run the offense, watch Aaron Rodgers run the team, watch Aaron Rodgers win them games, and learn from that, have the headset on when games are happening, and just by his osmosis, learn from one of the greatest quarterbacks in the league, if not ever, honestly yeah. from a talent perspective um and give him three or four years to do that just like what happened with rogers and then move on from rogers and bring in jordan love and you might have yourself a real nice transition again they might have like the longest train of quarterback greatness that we've ever seen in the nfl i know if it goes if love can step up to the plate so it depends on where you have to get him in rookie drafts which i think you can get him pretty cheap so three point oh one in the league that I'm in right I now. I was gonna say late second, early third. Yeah, that's basically yeah, a dark throw on most positions. I would one hundred percent draft Jordan Love there, even if I'm fine at quarterback. If I have two or three guys that I'm okay with, I still might go Jordan Love there, stash him, and in yeah. three or four years, either all of a sudden I have a, a great successor to whoever my quarterbacks are, or I have an incredible trade piece if he becomes a, a, a fantasy QB one. And I do, I do think he has talent. So. I, I don't. I, I think they should have gotten weapons for Rodgers and tried to win a Super Bowl now, because they can. Yeah. But based off what they did, I still like Jordan Love and I like to draft some rookie drafts. For Jordan Love, this is fine. We all knew yep. that he was going to be a project quarterback coming out with natural abilities, inconsistent at times doesn't always read things the correct way, but every once in a while he makes that pass where you go, where the hell did that come from? Like he's got that raw ability, just gunslinger, deep ball thrower, poor man's Patrick Mahomes, like Okada said. Um, learning behind Aaron Rodgers, I think is the best case scenario. Now, when this happened, I was sitting there and just going, oh boy, here we go again. It's just, it feels messy. It feels like the Packers just want to get out from their, you know, Hall of Fame quarterbacks early instead of late at any cost to trade up and take him in the first round. They didn't call Rodgers. They didn't let him know it was happening. They didn't call Rodgers until after night two. That, I would have loved yikes. to be in the same room with yikes. Rogers. Oh my saw gosh. this shit go down. I would down. love <laughs> a recording of that phone call. 
Um, Yikes. I mean, you can get out in front of this Packers. You could have said, listen, buddy, here's the thing. We've got our eyes on this quarterback. That's really raw. He needs a while to develop. We think that you're the perfect guy to teach him. You're still our dude. We're going to go out and get you some skill position players, and we're going to make another run at this thing this year. You could have said that. They didn't. They didn't do any of it. And instead, they left him hanging through the second round when they took a freaking tight end that had no business being drafted there at all. It, it now, makes no sense. I, I I will ask this. So I think it was David Bakhtiari in an interview that night or shortly after. I don't know if you guys saw these comments, but he was like, oh, my gosh, my guy Rogers is going to be on fire. Yes. Yeah. And he's going to no. come out and blaze the lead. And that's- and that's part of it. That's the and thing. Maybe if you're that's a what Rogers they were doing. Owner, if you're a Rogers owner, I kind of love this because he's going to come out with his hair on fire whenever this season gets back together. They didn't draft a single wide receiver in this 34 wide receiver draft class. They got nothing. It is 70% Devontae Adams and 30% whoever else is going to be catching. That's an exaggeration. But Devontae Adams is going to feast. He's probably the the leader in targets in the NFL this year, quite frankly. Wouldn't He's probably me. the leader in touchdowns in the NFL this year, which Betts has been preaching for about a week and Wouldn't a half now. Me. All in on that. We're all with you on that. Uh, Devontae Adams, freaking phenomenal. Rodgers is going to come out just pissed and be like, you're drafting my successor now? Okay, I'm not ready for a successor. <laughs> I'm going to show you that I'm still, I'm here. still, I'm still that Dude, that is going to yes. come out and tear up this league. And I think Rodgers is going to come out like a bat out of hell. This whole thing is going to be dramatic as hell, though. If you can get Jordan Love at the early third, by all means, I, I, I'm yeah. all for that to stash him and see what happens. But prepare yourself for a roller coaster because if it's anything like it was with Favre, uh, boy, it can get messy. And Rodgers has the biggest ego of any quarterback maybe any player in the nfl um he's not just gonna go quietly into the night i mean if this is a situation where kirk cousins contract is up and he goes to minnesota do the same thing that Favre did to stick it to green bay i could absolutely see it happening like it would be the most beautiful symmetry of all time but it could happen because (laughs) cousins has has what two more years three years on the new contract Uh, that they just extended it mike i don't know how long it is yeah yeah uh, I could see it, but yeah, it's it's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, Jordan Love, definitely an intriguing player. Again, not going to be relevant for a couple of years, but uh, keep an eye on him. And if you're taking him in the third round of a rookie draft right now, especially Superflex, yes, please. I would definitely be doing that. All right, boys, let's take a quick break, and then we're going to get some depressing news because Dylan Hurts went from the most exciting quarterback to irrelevant. Uh, Before we get into that, though, I want to remind everyone that the podcast is sponsored today by Nuts and More. Again, nutsandmore.com slash redshirts is the link. Guys, it's so scary out there with quarantine. Like, you don't want to leave your house. Yeah. You don't want to, like, go out in public if you don't have to. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to go to nutsandmore.com slash redshirts. You're going to use the code redshirts. You're going to get 15% off your order today. And when you do that, you're going to get delicious peanut butter, almond butter. It tastes like dessert but it has protein in it to help you support an active lifestyle it tastes delicious it's so good go on over to nutsandmore.com slash redshirts use code redshirts save yourself 15 percent 
you will definitely be happy that you did. Hey, Bets. Hey, Okada. You know what was nuts? Oh, what's that? The Eagles, Eagles? second round pick. Got him! And we are done. Thank you so much for listening. We're done. Goodbye. Uh, if you're not watching on YouTube, you need to be watching on YouTube for what Okada just did. Um, yeah, I have no idea, Okada, what they were doing. Um, as soon as it happened, I, obviously, if you you know know me, you know I'm an Eagles fan. All my friends and family are texting me like, what the hell? <laughs> Same. Like, no one saw that coming. Yeah, Okada and John are texting me like, Bets, how well, you feeling? No, I, I'm sitting um, on a live stream with him just going, oh. Yeah, like they take Jalen <laughs> in the second round and you have Carson Wentz, nice. your franchise quarterback. I'm not saying they don't need to get a good backup, but a second round pick for an offense that lacked playmakers last year, I don't get it. I mean... It is what it is. It sucks because for fantasy, Jalen Hurts was a guy that I think we were all pretty intrigued by. His rushing yep. ability, his competitiveness. I guarantee you one thing. He's going to work his butt off in Philly. He's going to push Carson Wentz because that's he the type gonna. of player he is. Which I think is going to be good in general for the quarterback room. But for fantasy guys, I don't know if there's really much to say. Him behind Wentz there just kind of makes him irrelevant at this point. So uh, here's one thing I'll say. The Eagles made this comment about wanting to be a quarterback factory, which... I don't oh, know yeah. what oh, that right. is. I guess it's a What's place that, that, that turns that out. I don't know. <laughs> you're not like, a that, college that, team. That's a, yeah, if you want, if you're what? a college, you know, what? if you're Oklahoma, I'm sure you can be a quarterback are a, factory. Are you a farm team for the NFL? I, like, are you trying to just triple A team? Here's the thing. Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. Okay. That is the hope here for Jalen Hurts. Yeah. They sat behind a good quarterback. They flash in tiny little spurts when they got a chance, which he probably will get because Carson Wentz will probably get hurt and he'll get to play four games, maybe win a playoff game. Who knows? And then they'll trade him away. Uh, true. Who knows? <laughs> uh, that That's honestly the hope at this point for Jalen Hurts because I, I was so excited for him for fantasy and now we get diddly squat from him until he goes somewhere else or maybe Carson Wentz's contract eventually expires and they let him go, but... Are they really going to do that? Carson Wentz is not going to be an old dude by the time his contract expires. My guess would be they would keep extending him if he's playing well. So I really hope just Jalen Hurts gets passed on at some point, earns a good trade for a sec high second-round pick, which is what he was, so you don't even get value out of it, and goes somewhere that he can be a fantasy contributor. But, I mean, if you're in a super flex league, are you taking him in the fourth round? Even? Sure. I mean, I don't know, because most taxi squads, if um, if you're not familiar and you play in a dynasty league, taxi yep. squad basically means that you can put a rookie on your, it's like your reserve roster, essentially. You usually have like two years, maybe some some leagues three, but you have to move them up to your active roster eventually. And unless your taxi squad is set up that way, then what's the point, right? You're probably yeah. going to drop them at some point. So yeah, maybe, but it's it just sucks. They took it away from us, unfortunately. Poo-poo. Yeah, I mean, he was a guy that we were all very, very excited about. We thought that going to the right landing spot, he could develop into being a real fantasy asset. Okada was hoping and praying that he would be the heir apparent in New England. Uh, we all thought that that would be a great fit. Um, I, I thought that that would have worked out really nicely. And instead of having a fantasy asset in Jalen Hurts, and the same thing with Jordan Love. Like, Jordan Love, we thought, could have been in a situation where he was 
a one year away guy instead of going to Green Bay where it might be several. Um, you, you lost two potential fantasy assets really in the NFL draft. Jordan Love, I think, is closer to fantasy relevance than Jalen Hurts now, which which sucks. I, I don't even know what they're doing. Uh, I mean, and, and here's the thing that pissed me off. They drafted him, and on the live stream that they're talking, I can't remember which commentator said it. They're like, you know what? Jalen Hurts is going to get drafted there to Philly. He's going to be behind Carson Wentz. He's going to be happy to be a backup. What, what oh, professional yeah, athlete is no. happy to be a backup? Especially not Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts has a swagger about him. This dude is like all moxie all the time. He was the conference player of the year in the SEC and in the Big Ten. and Big 12. Like, I'm sorry, Big 12. I'm sorry. And in the Big 12. That's the second time I've done that in the last two months. And... A guy with that ability, with the rushing ability that he has, with the passing ability that he has, the swagger, the confidence to lead a team, to then go be the backup to Carson Wentz that just got an extension last year makes zero sense at all to me. I don't know. Like you were saying, maybe they're just hoping to like teach him up and then trade him. I, I don't I don't know. But so like you're not going to get a first for a guy that hasn't started a season. So no, you're not going to get value like, out of it even. It's That's like there was a, there's, a, there's the meme out there uh, from uh, Family Guy with the box, the mystery box and, and the question marks that are all over it. Uh-huh. And they're like, there was a meme I saw it going around that was like, Jalen Hurts is a second and he might even be a second. <laughs> like, <it's, laughs> what, what's your best case scenario yeah. for Jalen Hurts? It makes no yeah. sense to me. This is a team that was desperately needing playmakers. They waited way too long to do it. They did They did take um, Jalen Rager in the first round, which is great, and I love that. But go defense. Go offensive line. Go – I yeah, mean, running they needed back, a lot yeah, of like, help. There's so many things that they needed on that team. Safety, linebacker, yeah. wide receiver all, again. Like, it made no all sense. Over you know what this board. was, guys? Is It was just the fantasy gods balancing out all the good running back landing spots. They were like, had to be that. here, you that. get all had six of that. the good running backs go to good spots, so screw you, Jalen Hurts goes to the Eagles. <laughs> True that. It it sums it up. Uh, I will say, Okada and I were talking about this before the, the podcast started tonight. Um, the Eagles were talking about it after the draft pick that they were just so excited they could see a Taysom Hill-type player in Jalen Hurts, I and I was that. beyond myself. Uh, to take Carson Wentz off the field inside the 10 yard line or to put Jalen Hurts in it. Like, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but like at a slot receiver, like, I I don't know. It, he's not Taysom Hill. He's a good quarterback. It just sucks. Um, and we got to move on. It does suck. All right, boys. It does suck. Uh, let's talk about one last player here. Probably the last fantasy relevant name. Jacob Eason comes in in the fourth round. He goes to Indianapolis, which is really it's intriguing because we talked about it. On the wide receiver show, there's not a really long-term plan there behind Phillip Rivers. You guys think it could be Eason, and let's talk about him from a a prospect perspective because I think everyone knows Burrow, everyone knows Tua. Not a lot of people know Jacob Eason, so let's talk about him uh, as a prospect. Um, Cannon of an arm, absolute rocket. Yeah, But kind of a raw prospect. Definitely is going to take a little bit of time, I think, to get on the field and develop and be a very, very good quarterback in the NFL. He's a guy that was at Georgia before Jake Fromm came in and ended up actually getting hurt. So he transferred out of Georgia, which is why Jake Fromm became the starter there. 
What do you guys like about Jacob Eason? And is he a steal in rookie drafts? Because I think he's going in like the third or sometimes I've seen even like fourth round uh, of rookie drafts. What do you think? Boy, I'll tell you what. I just saw him go at the one, two, three, four, five, six, the 4.7 for a guy that is one year removed from potentially walking into a starting gig. He has a clearer path to, to fantasy relevance than Love and Hurts do. Yeah, like absolutely. You've got Philip Rivers there for one year and then that's it. I don't know if they're even going to keep Jacob um, Brissett or Jacoby Brissett on roster at this point. I don't know if he gets cut or traded or, or what, but they're drafting Jacob Eason to be the next guy. Like that's that's what he's going to be. An absolute cannon of an arm needs some refinement. Sit behind an, a veteran like Philip Rivers. Go hang out in his RV with him. Uh, and study some film like I, I love it. I love that Jacob Eason there in, in Indy is is really juicy to me because similar to Jordan Love, they've got really raw natural ability, absolute rocket of an arm. I've been calling Justin Herbert Howitzer Herbert all year and people suddenly started saying that Jacob Eason has a howitzer of an arm and I'm like, no, that name's already taken, but he does have you can't a, do that. <laughs> you can't do that. You can't steal my nickname. But he does have a massive arm, like 70 yards in the air type of arm, like huge arm talent. So it's intriguing. And then, you know, they drafted Michael Pittman Jr. to be there as well. So you're looking at that as potentially a duo next season with my boy Jonathan Taylor in the backfield. Oh, and a stud offensive line. Oh, and a great young defense. Indy's on the rise. This is a team to watch both for reality football and, and also fantasy. Um I love it. That is a, I mean, 4.07 for a guy that's one year removed from potential starting gig is stealing. Yep. Yeah. He is a lot like uh, Jordan Love light in the sense that he's got a lot of raw physical talent and a, a little bit less of the, you know, intangibles and the um, honed ability to read a defense and work yep. against blitzes and all this kind of stuff that, you want to throw a guy out in the NFL day one uh, for having. So, and Philip Rivers, by the way, is the guy who's going to sit down in the trailer. He is older oh, yeah. than Aaron Rodgers and nice, so uh, nice guy and a little pop pop. And he's going yeah. to help Eason learn the game. So, uh, there's, a, there's, a, I, I honestly might even like him in the mid, mid to late fourth more than love in the mid to late third. Absolutely. I would I, if you're looking for some quarterback depth, which you always should be in a super flex league. This is a great pick. Yep, definitely totally. agree with that. Uh, a bunch of other quarterbacks came off the board, guys. Probably not anyone relevant for fantasy, at least in the short term. So we're gonna gonna waste uh, a lot of the time on those guys. They'll be in our ranks on the website if you want to check it out. But yeah, we're gonna move on here to tight end. Okay, the podcast is over. Hey, <laughs> whoa, whoa, we gotta talk about one guy. We gotta talk about got one, maybe two tight ends. Guys, we talked about some of the landing spots for these other players being bad. These tight ends went to horrible situations, um, which we'll talk about that. here in a minute. Well, a couple of them did. Like Alberto was a guy that was intriguing. Yeah, that he was lands in Denver behind Noah no Fant. Like yep. those kind of situations. Let's not talk about that. Let's talk about though uh, two guys that I think maybe three that could be potentially fantasy relevant. Cole Komet is a mm. guy Okada likes a lot. He went mm. in the second round. Coming out of Notre Dame, he went to Chicago, which, by the way, the 10th tight end on their roster, <laughs> which is unreal that that's Ten. actually true. 10. But he's intriguing. Uh, Okada, I'm going to let you break it down here because I think you're the highest on on all three of us. 
uh, on Komet. So tell me what you like about Cole Komet. Yeah, I definitely am. And I'll get to Cole Komet in a second. But just to quickly address your point about the the uh, tight ends on the roster, there are 10, but these are their names behind Jimmy Graham, who's old and washed up. Demetrius Harris, Harris, Ben Broniker, Adam Shaheen, J.P. Holt, Jesper Horstead, Eric Saubert, Dax Raymond, Darian Clark. Have you heard <laughs> of you one have of heard, those guys? If you have heard of half of those names... <laughs> And can call me and tell me their backstory without <laughs> looking it up. I will give you twenty dollars. I don't that, know. <laughs> I've no I don't know idea where these guys came are. from or how they collected them, but they are all trash. I would be <laughs> not be surprised if Cole Komet straight up jumps Jimmy Graham right out of the gate and is better than him. So Absolutely. he he is a pass catching first, talented, athletic tight end. Honestly. If he's not that great of a blocker, if he was a better blocker, he might have gone in the first round just because he would have been a more well-rounded talent. But we don't care about that in fantasy. We care about we care about pass catching. And a 43rd overall pick tight end is a nice spot. That is. is that is very solid draft capital. And he's going to a place where there's a lot of opportunity for a tight end. We talked about it when they got Trey Burton. Was it two years ago now? Uh, when Nagy took over, I think it was two when Nagy took over, and he was coming from the Kansas City Andy Reid system, and they had Travis Kelsey, and we said, oh my goodness, they went and got Trey Burton from the Eagles, and he's going to be their Travis Kelsey. And then he yeah. wasn't, and we haven't seen anyone do that. But that's because he wasn't necessarily as good as he we thought he could have been. I think Cole Komet could be that good. I think he could be much better. I'm not Great. saying he's going to be Travis Kelsey, but I 100% believe he can be a tight end one in the not too distant future, which for a tight end is a big deal. So I'm seeing him and, and John is seeing him go all the way into the third round in some drafts. I took him late twice. Second. I took him twice today in the, late I don't understand third. the late third in two consecutive rookie drafts. I was in today and I'm just like eating up Craig value. Craig. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. You mean that I'm, I'm choosing between him and, and Lynn Bowden jr. <laughs> Give me Cole Komet all day long. Yeah, yeah. And listen, part of this is a philosophy standpoint, and we 100%. all agree with this. Tight ends are projects at the NFL level. They are not going to come in and contribute right away rookie year. Hopefully you have a veteran tight end that is entrenched that is going to give you fantasy production already. This is the two leagues that I'm in. I already have Jared Cook in one, and I have um, George Kittle in the other. So, yes, I'm going to go in and I'm going to stash some talented tight ends, especially rookies, that I think have a potential to develop. I like to have four to maybe six, depending on the depth of my roster, young tight ends on my bench that are just going to sit there and cook until one or two of them pop and end up showing up as being a top 10 fantasy asset. It's not right away. You guys know this about uh, last year with Hawkinson in Detroit. Huge name. Everyone is stoked about him. Good draft capital. Went to a fantastic situation. Absolutely destroyed the Arizona Cardinals in week one because every tight end destroyed the Arizona Cardinals last year. And then flopped the rest of the season. You're not writing him off yet. You're waiting. You're going to wait for him for maybe this year. Maybe it's the year after for him to fully develop into that guy. So I've got no problem taking developmental tight ends late in a rookie draft, especially if you have multiple picks. Like if you only have four, maybe not. But if you've done some trading and, and you have six, seven, eight rookie picks this year, 
I have no problem taking one or two tight ends. I'm still taking Albert O late. I just took him at the 411. And for that kind of upside and the talent that he has, I've got no problem sitting him because we just saw Baltimore trade away Hayden Hurst that they took two years ago. Right. So I have no problem just drafting on talent and, and waiting for landing spot or opportunity to shake out. So yeah, I, yeah. I'm all in on taking the young tight ends late. Yeah, it's interesting for sure uh, with Komet. Hands down, I think the best tight end prospect in this class and not only for fantasy, uh, actual football. One guy that I, I am just enamored with is Adam Troutman. Yes. Out of Dayton, small school. So that's knock. That's a knock on him. People always tell you that. He came out of a small school. Well, guess what? Dallas Goddard played in the FCS, and he's pretty freaking good. Mm. Adam Troutman put up absolutely ridiculous numbers for a college tight end. Last season, 70 receptions, 916 oh. yards, 14 receiving touchdowns. Again, college tight ends do not produce that way. Cole Komet had like 500 yards, and he's obviously still the best in this class. The production is super intriguing. He is a hands-catching tight end. He is athletic. He is a good potential fantasy option for us because of his pass-catching ability. He goes to a situation in New Orleans in the third round where he can sit behind Jared Cook for a year or two or three if he plays that long and potentially be something. I mean, the quarterback situation is unstable in New Orleans after this year. But again, it's a you're taking him for the long play for a couple years out. You can get Troutman super late in your rookie drafts. I am all about it. Uh, are you guys with me on Troutman or am I on, on an island? No, I'm in. Uh, I'm yeah. in the same boat, especially the situation with Jared Cook. I, listen, when Drew Brees retires, Jared Cook's probably going to retire. Like that, my that's my stance. Like he's hanging around because Brees is there, and they think they can make one more run at it. And, and if they don't end up making the run at it, or even if they do, if they win it, they'll probably both retire and and walk off. But yeah. if they don't, like I, I don't see a situation where either one of them are on the Saints next year. I, I don't see it happening. So I think that Troutman's in a great position to learn and develop. And I think he produced, like you said, like crazy in college, uh, great physical talent. I think that he's got a good opportunity to step in and contribute next season, especially. Yeah. And we've talked before, too, about how a tight end is often the best friend of a young, inexperienced, less, less honed quarterback. So yeah. if he doesn't really step into his groove until the Saints are moving on to a new guy, that might not be a bad thing at all. Right. It, might, it might actually work in his favor. So, yeah, I really like dra uh, drafting Troutman as a stash as well. Uh, I wouldn't hate getting Komet and tra Troutman in the same draft and just feeling really good about myself. Yeah, for sure. Those are our top two uh, tight ends in this class. Do you guys want to touch on any others? I mean, there's a couple that I think are intriguing to talk about. No. Can we, can we talk? Capital? Hold on. About, uh, Before we wrap this up, because we got a little bit of time. Before well, we wrap we want to keep up, this one a little shorter, John. Okay, but a couple <laughs> a couple minutes. Thaddeus Moss was injured because he had a fracture, broken bone. He had some sort of injury. Go ahead and look that up really quick while I'm talking. But he was productive. Obviously, the bloodlines behind Randy Moss as being his son um went undrafted which was a surprise to many but then it came out later that he had a i, I think it was a fracture in his foot bets is researching yep. it right now same yeah same injury as uh van jefferson who we talked about yesterday and brian Edwards. 
and how's the recovery on that look like? He'll have surgery, or he had surgery, I should say. Uh, had, yeah. Usually it takes a little over a year to kind of get back to full performance. Okay. Carries a little bit of a re-injury risk, as we saw with like Julian Edelman previously with the, the re-injury, Des Bryant, same type of surgery. So there is a bit of a concern, but after usually the, the, the first year afterwards, you're in the clear. Okay. Well, he went undrafted and then was immediately scooped up by the Washington Redskins who have a glaring hole at tight end in, in their team. Is this someone that a late fourth round flyer that you're comfortable with stashing for him to potentially develop? Yeah. In the fourth round, why not? At that point, right. it's, you know, you're not expecting anything. And if it hits great. And if not, then, oh, well. So yeah, for sure. I think he's, He's not oh, careful. How I say this. He has upside because we saw some great athletic catches at LSU. I think he is a very raw tight end prospect, though. So, again, it'll take four years, five years, but yeah, maybe. Hmm. All right. All right. Cool. I'm, I'm probably taking someone else in my fourth, but you know, <laughs> I don't know. Listen, the fourth round is for you to pick a guy that you feel like you like. There are no guys be in good. the fourth round. You, know that you like his name. Randy Moss. By the way, yep. if Thaddeus Moss makes the team, Adrian Peterson would have oh, played yeah. with both Randy and Thaddeus Moss's son. That's that is cool. insane to me. That That's kind of cool. Absolutely crazy. Uh, last guy that I want to talk about, at least just mention Okada. Do you know anything about Devin Asiasi, your Asi- New England Patriots tight end? <sighs> Not too much. Taking UCLA. Yeah, um, I remember watching him at the Combine and thinking, eh. In eh. fact, I think I even thought a little worse than eh. eh. <laughs> uh, so I'm not super excited about it. I am a little curious what the Patriots are doing, to be honest. No one um, But listen, I, I I think he's probably a little bit more of a blocking tight end from what I've seen. Uh, a little bit more maybe a run game type tight end than a guy who's going to have a Phil the Gronk rule or anything like that. So if you're out there thinking, oh my goodness, they drafted a tight end in the third round. Is it going to be the next Gronk? No, no. it's not going to be the next Gronk. Um, and I, I'd probably even take the shot on Thaddeus Moss before I take the shot on Devin Asiasi, to be honest. All right. Uh, Devin Asiasi went before Adam Troutman in my draft today. What? Explain that one. I don't buy that at all. I have no idea. Uh, but yeah, that happened. Don't do that, T- listeners. Don't do that. <laughs> don't don't do that. Not no, advisable. Uh, all right, fellas. Well, that wraps up the quarterbacks and the tight ends. Like you said, there's some guys that are intriguing. It's relatively top heavy when it comes to the tight end position and quarterback position, but definitely lots of like, especially in super flex leagues. So. Um, don't skip on those guys in your rookie drafts, especially if you can get him in the third or fourth round, like we talked about. Massive value to be had there. All right, fellas, we are back tomorrow on Thursday for a rookie mock draft. You guys are going to want to tune into that. Check it out on YouTube, listen in your podcast app. And if you would be so kind, please drop a rating and review. Helps us out a ton. For Okada, for John, I am Matthew Betts, aka the Fantasy PT. Okada is at Matt Okada. John is at Dynasty Beard. Until next time, wear the red shirts. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.